0: Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Today on History of Jackson, we are picking up our Tudor mini-series on the English and British monarch series by looking at King Henry VIII. As always, we will look at who he was, what his early life was like, what happened in his reign, his death, and then bring that all together to make a judgment on whether he was a good king or not. So I hope you are looking forward to hearing all about Henry VIII. Who was Henry VIII? Henry VIII was born at Greenwich Palace to Elizabeth York and Henry VII on the 28th of January 1491. He was an intelligent and well-read man and he grew to be about six foot tall and have an athletic Figure. However later on in his life he grew to be a obese man with a violent temper and massive mood swings. So what was Henry's early life like? Now as I've just said Henry was born in January of 1491 to Henry VII but he was Henry VII's second son so he was never raised or intended to be king of England. And because of this, we know very little of Henry's youth. We have very little records to say what happened in Henry's early life. But we know that at about the age of 10, Henry attended his elder brother Arthur's wedding to Catherine of Aragon. And Henry at this wedding was observed to be an enthusiastic boy, full of joy. And that he enjoyed dancing and enjoying in the merriment with everyone else at the wedding. Four months after this wedding Arthur passed away and Henry inherited all of Arthur's titles. Prince of Wales, Duke of Cornwall and Earl of Chester. He also inherited Arthur's position as heir to the throne and possibly inherited Arthur's marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Arthur and Catherine had apparently not consummated this marriage due to Arthur's ill health. And Ferdinand and Henry VII were locked in negotiations about whether Henry, young Prince Henry, should marry Catherine of Aragon. These negotiations went on, from Arthur's death right up until the death of Henry VII. As Ferdinand wanted assurances that his daughter would be safe and Henry wanted assurances of the strength of the alliance and promises that the money would be paid in full. After the death of Arthur, Henry VII kept his son Henry out of harm's way to ensure that the Tudor dynasty could continue after Henry VII's death. And in 1509, as we looked at last week, Henry VII passed away from tuberculosis, leaving the throne to Prince Henry, who was now Henry VIII. Henry came to the throne on the 22nd of April 1509, and he was coronated in June of the same year. Immediately, Henry began consolidating his position and consolidating his authority as king and had two of his father's financial advisers, Sir Richard Epsham and Edmund Dudley, executed for treason. He then almost immediately married Catherine of Aragon. He married her before his coronation. He did this so he could have the money from Ferdinand in the royal coffers and have a queen alongside him for his coronation. Immediately after coming to the throne, Henry and Catherine of Aragon began trying for children, trying for an heir to the throne. And between 1510 and 1518, they had six children, four of whom were either stillbirths or died very shortly after birth. The other two, were mary who would later become mary the and prince henry prince henry was henry's pride and joy for the two months that he lived and henry thought that he would be the figurehead who took on the tudor dynasty unfortunately as i've just said he did pass away after two months in 1513 henry joined Pope Julius II's anti-French league against King Louis XII of France. Henry was moderately successful in this conflict and captured two towns from the French. However, this conflict was obscenely expensive for Henry and he could not continue the war into 1514. He could not Continue this war or realise his ambition to become King of France. Whilst Henry was in France, Catherine and Henry's nobles repelled a Scottish invasion and killed James IV of Scotland in battle. This strengthened Henry's position as he was now the supreme king, the supreme power on the British Isles. After this series of conflicts, Henry's position was strengthened even further with the birth of an illegitimate son to Elizabeth Blount. This son was also called Henry, Henry Fitzroy, and Henry VIII began the process of legitimising Henry Fitzroy in case he needed a male heir. And Henry Fitzroy was made Duke of Richmond on the process of legitimisation. Throughout this whole time, Henry was supported by a man called Cardinal Worsley, who was previously Henry's chief almoner, a man who was in charge of his charitable donations. Worsley, as the principal religious figure in England, supported Henry with his foreign policy goals and his government at home. And Worsley arranged for a peace agreement among the major powers of Europe, England, Spain and France. This was particularly important as there were three fresh Renaissance princes at the throne for these three countries. And this coming together symbolised a new beginning for Europe. As part of this alliance, Henry even travelled to France to meet Francis I and they met at the Field of the Cloth of Gold, a celebration of their alliance and Henry even went to meet the King of Spain. However, just over two years after signing the Treaty of London in 1518, Europe was at war again Spain had declared war on France and England had joined on the side of Spain. Back home in 1425, Henry was questioning his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. He felt that God was preventing them from having a healthy baby son and he had evidence that he was able to produce sons as he had Henry FitzRoy. In 1427, Henry expressed this questioning of the marriage to Cardinal Worsley, who tried to get Henry to put it to the back of his mind and carry on with the marriage. But Henry couldn't. In June 1427, Henry informed Catherine that he did not want to continue their marriage. And she immediately told her nephew, Charles, the King of Spain and the Holy Roman Emperor, Of what Henry was trying to do. Charles was very close with the pope and at some point had him under his command and Charles tried to lobby the pope to prevent this annulment or divorce uh, from going through. Pope Clement allowed a papal legate to hear the case in England but Clement had ordered the legate to frustrate the process at every point possible. Catherine of Aragon even joined in on the frustration of this process and she even begged Henry to not see this process through. But Henry had moved Catherine out of the Queen's quarters in the royal palaces and moved Anne in, clearly symbolising that he was going to marry Anne and she was going to be his queen. The papal legate then decided that this case should be heard in Rome, and this was a dramatic failure for Cardinal Worsley, who as a consequence of this was removed from power by Henry in 1529. Henry then began asking for evidence and scholars' opinions on whether he should be allowed to divorce Catherine of Aragon. The Pope struck all of these pieces of evidence down however some of Henry's supporters found the principle a prey murie. This principle outlined that members of the clergy owed their spiritual allegiance, spiritual loyalty to the Pope. It said nothing about their political loyalty so, Henry manipulated this principle to outline that the clergy should have their spiritual authority led by the Pope. But it should not be to the detriment of their host country's leader. So, the people, the clergy in England should follow the Pope spiritually, but they should not do that to the detriment. Of Henry VIII's power. Henry charged the whole of the English church with having violated this principle and by May 1532 he had had the English church submit to him with him being its supreme head and by February 1533 Anne was now queen of England and Henry's wife and Catherine had been informed that she was no longer Henry's wife or the Queen. Henry finally and formally broke from Rome in 1534 with the Act of Supremacy and immediately set about shutting down smaller monasteries and religious houses. He also began to ruthlessly punish those who questioned his religious authority and he executed series of monks who questioned this authority and this led to the pilgrimage of grace, a religious uprising against Henry. After a false pardon, Henry ruthlessly punished the leaders in charge of this uprising. In 1536, Henry and Anne's relationship began to sour. It was a particularly difficult year for Henry personally. Catherine of Aragon died in this year, his son Henry Fitzroy died and he was injured in a particularly serious riding accident. Whilst some historians believe that this riding accident changed Henry's personality and others believe that it didn't, nonetheless we can still say that this was a particularly traumatic incident and this series of events put a strain on henry and anne's marriage these events and anne not acting how henry thought a queen should act made irreparable damages to their relationship and anne miscarrying a son led to henry believing that he should look elsewhere to produce a male heir Henry then began to undermine the Boleyn family's power at court. He then moved his mistress, Jane Seymour, into new quarters in his palaces. And finally, he charged Anne and her brother, George, with treasonous adultery. Henry then promptly had their marriage annulled and he had and executed in May 1436. Within 10 days Jane Seymour was now Queen of England and four months later she fell pregnant and this resulted in the birth of Prince Edward on the 12th of October 1437. However 12 days later due to an illness Jane Seymour passed away. Henry mourned the loss of Jane and this was quite unusual and uncommon for a king of this period to mourn the death of his wife. And he locked himself away from others for a small amount of time to grieve. Nonetheless, Henry ensured that his newborn son Edward was provided for and supported in a household. Cromwell, Henry's closest advisor, then rallied around Henry and set about trying to find Henry a fourth wife that may provide an international alliance or some kind of support that Henry needed. In this period between wives, Henry executed a number of nobles who were rumoured to be looking into a rebellion against Henry and he began to flesh out his idea of what an English church should look like and he passed the Act of Six Articles and this introduced the vernacular to English churches. In 1539 Cromwell introduced Anne of Cleves as a marriage idea for Henry Hans Holbein the famed painter painted a portrait of Anne Cleves and this was sent to Henry Henry immediately said yes this portrait was the image of which Henry based this acceptance on however upon meeting Anne of Cleves Henry was not attracted to her at all And he tried to find a way to back out of the marriage but was resigned to having to marry Anne of Cleves. After their marriage, Henry boasted that they hadn't consummated it and immediately started trying to set up an annulment. And in July 1540, Henry and Anne of Cleves' marriage was annulled. And Cromwell, due to his role in this failed marriage, saw... His power curtailed and himself executed in this same year, Henry continued the dissolution of the monasteries that he had began in 1436 moving on to taking out idols or the cults of saints, larger monasteries and religious houses, and this would finish by 1542 All of this property transferred to Henry, increasing his wealth. Not long after the annulment of Henry and Anne of Cleves' marriage, Henry married Catherine Howard. Catherine almost immediately began affairs with a few of Henry's courtiers. Some of Henry's advisers tried to make him aware of these affairs, but he refused to listen and he refused to believe the rumours. It was only after an investigation took place that Henry listened and found that his wife, his young 19 year old wife, had conducted two affairs. After this report, this investigation came out, Henry has the two young courtiers and Catherine Howard arrested and executed. And Catherine was executed at the beginning of 14 52. At this point Henry was not the tall muscular athletic man he once was. Instead he was a rather large balding man with a bad temper and large mood swings. He also had an ulcer on his leg that would make him ill and cause him tremendous pain. The doctors liked to keep this ulcer open to not make it any worse or make Henry's condition worse. And because of this, it constantly oozed puss. Henry was not the attractive option to women that he once was. But very few women were in the position to say no to Henry. Despite his age and his condition, Henry still held on to the ideas of his youth. And in fourteen. 42. Henry began war with the Scottish. Once again, Henry established his supreme control over the British Isles after defeating the Scottish forces and James V dying not long afterwards. He then ruthlessly had the remnants of the Scottish army destroyed before turning his focus onto France to try and achieve his goal of becoming king of France. In France, Henry was yet again unsuccessful. He achieved very little, taking very little land, and the war was expensive, putting a tremendous strain on his finances. In 1443, between these conflicts, Henry married his sixth and final wife, Catherine Parr. Catherine acted as Henry's regent whilst he was away in France. She also brought his family back together as Henry was frequently estranged from his eldest daughter, Mary. Henry and Catherine debated religion frequently and he almost had her arrested for her religious views. But she managed to save herself claiming that she was only debating with him to take his mind off his pain and his illnesses. Henry, at this point now, was in a poor condition. He found it difficult to walk due to the ulcer on his leg. and was often carried around in a chair. To get up and down stairs, he was lifted by machinery. He was frequently ill, and Catherine Parr, often had to act as a nurse for him to help him get through these illnesses. Towards the end of his life, Henry had very few close allies and his younger courtiers began to leave his side to build their own support bases should Henry die so that they could be in the best position for power during Edward's reign. After a series of illnesses, Henry was aware that the next one could possibly kill him. And in January 1457, this next illness came whilst he was at Westminster Palace. He was very weak and was on his bed. He called for Archbishop Cranmer, his final ally within his court, to come to him. After two hours and Henry had a small sleep, Cranmer came. Henry was not strong enough to speak, but... Cranmer was there to support him and at two o'clock in the morning Henry VIII passed away and his will outlined that his son Edward was to be the next king. Was Henry VIII a good king? Now I certainly believe Henry VIII enjoyed the pleasures of kingship. He allowed England to flourish economically he dragged England into the Renaissance as he was an ardent patron of the arts. And he provided England with the political stability it needed as England had been in political turmoil since the reign of Richard II. However, I believe Henry VIII was a very selfish man. Most of the major structural changes that England underwent during Henry's reign were due to his own desires his own desire to, to gain a divorce or an annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon led to the break from Rome. I also believe he was a tyrant he was cruel and oppressive and he used cruel punishments and executions against his enemies his friends and his wives. So I believe that Henry VIII was a bad king, but he was the king that England needed at that point. Now, finally, guys, some book recommendations as always here on History of Jackson. First of all is Henry VIII, King Court by Alison Ware. I think this is an absolutely fantastic book. It's easy to read, it's accessible, uh, and it's just it's just a really great introduction piece to Henry VIII, and then secondly is the life and times of Henry VIII by Robert Lacey. I think this is a really really great book. It has fantastic uh, contemporary illustrations and sources within, and it is incredibly readable. So I definitely recommend both of those books, and the titles will be in the description below. In the meantime, if you want to keep up to date with everything History of Jackson related, the social media links are in the description below, or you can head to the website, which is www.historywithjackson.com.